Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Buzzing About Romance podcast. Um, it's me, Becky, and joining me is, as always, Leah. Look, I fixed it. Fixed it. But then you made it awkward by saying you fixed it. I know. But, but just, just keep going next time. Just keep going. We'll get I'm getting there. better. It might Sometime. just take a year. <laughs> Who knows anymore, right? Um, so on this episode of Buzzing About Romance, we are joined by a Buzzing About Romance fan favorite, mm-hmm. author Sawyer Bennett. I can't tell you how many people are so jealous that they're like, can I come be a part of the interview? I'm like, people, no. It's me and Leah. Stop it. Um, so anyway, Leah, will you read Sawyer's bio for us? New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Sawyer Bennett uses real-life experience to create relatable stories that appeal to a wide array of readers. From contemporary romance, fantasy romance, and both women's and general fiction, Sawyer writes something for just about everyone in tons of really good hockey. So much good hockey. A former trial lawyer from North Carolina, when she is not bringing fiction to life, Sawyer is a chauffeur, stylist, chef, maid, and personal assistant to her very adorable daughter, as well as full-time servant to her wonderfully naughty dogs. Welcome to to the podcast, Sawyer. We're so excited to have you. I'm really, really happy to be here, and I'm flattered you asked me. (laughs) Well, I think I've been asking for like over a year. I've been like, hey, and you're like life sorry and which this is fair. past year we can't yeah let's <laughs> past year let's not even yeah. talk about it uh because honest um i was doing some counting the other day and you might not know this you have been your books have been featured more <laughs> on our podcast than anyone you and avery what? flynn are fairly close um because we've done we did wicked billionaire we did a quick shot review of wicked billionaire um, I think we've done a couple of the Arizona Vengeance hockey and oh, but even um, just in the hockey draft that you and Heather right. did, there was probably like seven different Sawyer books in that. <laughs> yeah, the uh Minnesota Hockey a lot Mom of reads. Them. I mean yeah. <laughs> a lot so, of them. We did a hockey book boyfriend draft in February. Oh nice. Where one of our podcast contributors, she and I went head to head and drafted our hockey book boyfriends. And we couldn't repeat. Which was harder than you think it is. <laughs> yeah. Because some of those guys. There's so many hockey romances out there. But there there's are. A lot. There well, are. And you've written like a ton. So it works out. Yes. <laughs> and we're not sad about that at all. Just so you yeah. know. <laughs> oh, it's good to hear. <laughs> we are not sad. Um, okay. So let's get to know you a little bit better. Uh, Sawyer, do you have a comfort read? Do you have a book that you always return to to, or type you of know- book? Yeah, I don't know if you call it comfort. I mean, I definitely have books that I have read multiple times. Um, the Prince of Tides by Pat Conroy is is one of my That's favorite. And I've read that. I don't know how many times I've read that. Um, the Harry Potter books. <laughs> those are always good comfort reads to go back and, and do those. Um, and then this will be bizarre. <laughs> but really anything by Dean Coon. He is my um, absolute like favorite author in the entire world. And I just think he is a uh, master of words. I mean, he just can paint such a vivid picture. And even though his stuff is scary and, you know, um, horrifying sometimes. So um, I'm, I'm usually always got the Dean Koontz book going. And I really don't have time to read anymore. So uh, my stuff is all via audio these days. So when I'm in the car or you know, walking or something like that. But I guess that's what I would call my comfort go-tos. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love when like scary murder books 
comfort so cozy right people will be There's like no happy oh. feels there everyone's like oh you have downtime what are you doing i'm like watching true crime documentaries <laughs> i need to know how to bury the bodies yeah i'm a big dateline junkie and yes. so my, my brother and i um we go hiking several times a week and we'll come up upon something weird on the trail like yesterday was a little girl's crunchy. I was like, that's Dateline episode 27 right there. Somebody was dragging the little girl through the woods. <laughs> I stuff. So there is a podcast out there called Date with Dateline. And they do like behind the scenes interviews and kind of breakdowns of episodes. What? I'm going to write that down. I adore them. <laughs> it's two... Um, it's two women and they're hilarious. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. I love it because I I can just watch Dateline like Me you too. put it up on the TV and just binge it and Me it's background it. noise. Yeah. 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 And I've got a major it. crush on Keith Morrison. I mean, I don't know Ugh. why. I just have a major crush on his voice. And he has yep. a good voice. <laughs> he really does. Like that deep, like oh. Yep. I get it. Totally. And he has yeah. the smile, the awesome. smirk yeah. about him uh-huh yes yeah yeah silver fox yeah. right there keith morrison yep, he is. <laughs> um so why an author what inspired you to write romance yeah you know honestly um I, I wish i could tell you i had this great inspirational story and i really don't it was a mark it was um i i, I was well read in romance it was obviously my favorite genre to read and back then I was very much either into historical Joanna Lindsay type stuff, or then I moved into paranormal romance and um, was just kind of binging on, uh, you know, Gina Showalter and Lewis Ione. And I was like, you know, I think I could write this kind of as a personal challenge. So um, my first book I wrote was paranormal and don't bother going and looking for it. It's not up there. Right now. <laughs> it wasn't all that great, to be honest with you. Um, so then I ended up, I had never read contemporary romance and I ended up writing a contemporary romance book without ever. And that was offsides, my very first book I published. And, um, it, it honestly came to me in a dream, but, and it was about a hockey player, you know, and a college hockey player and a girl from the wrong side of the tracks type thing. And, um, you know, I was still had a very busy law practice at the time, um, and I put it up on Kindle and I can't, I don't know if you can do this now, but back then you could literally set it for free as your price. And that was in 2013. And so I turned it for free for five days, never even charged anything for it when I put it up and it kind of went viral. I had like, you know, 65,000 downloads in a day. And um, then, you know, within a couple of days, people were reading it or writing me saying, when are you going to write another book? I'm like, I'm not, that was my personal challenge, you know, mission accomplished. I'm practicing law. And, um, you know, all these people started asking for it. I was like, wait, wait a minute, maybe I should write another one. So I, I wrote off limits. And um, y'all have probably figured this out. I write pretty fast. I put out quite a few books a year. And I put that one up and it had even, you know, a bigger response. And then by the third book off the record, which is another hockey book, um, that one hit USA Today bestseller list. And that was kind of like, I need to consider a career move at this point. Um, and my, luckily my former law partner, she ended up giving me a year sabbatical. She said, just go take, take the time, figure it out what you want to do. I'll keep things running. And um, 
I, I think I knew at that point <laughs> back to the practice of law. I, I, I waited until the end of 2013 to kind of say it out loud and start making the moves um, to leave my practice uh, and and sell it out to her. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I stumbled into it. it that's, that's the short. That's the short uh, story. That's great. I didn't realize that you had been writing, you know, for that long. Um, I think I picked you up on a f- kind of like just at random in 2017. Sugar Bowl is what oh, yeah, pulled me in. Favorites. Yeah, it is by far. It is my favorite of your books. Like I love uh, your hockey. I love the Jameson Force. I love the Wicked Horse series, both the sets. Um, but there's something about and it's a trilogy, which Leah is like. No, but it's already all three, all three out. out. Yeah. So I have no problem with that. <laughs> I'm it's the same way. I I'm the same way. I don't read something until it's all out. I don't watch TV shows until they're all out. You know, I'm a binger. So, um, but yeah, I wish I would, I would love to write more of that dark, you know, suspenseful romance. My, my Jameson suspense is, is a little bit, is lighter, but mm-hmm. that, but Sugar Bowl was pretty dark and I really, really liked that. It's such a good book. It's so, oh. I mean, and yeah. I read that in 2017 and I still, you know, this many years later, I'm like, I love that story. It's just yeah. the characters are memorable and even like the side characters, you know, his business partner, best friend guy, you know, like they're just, they're such great characters. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- I, that makes me feel happy because it is definitely one of my favorites I've ever written. <laughs> as far as, you know, having just so much fun in in the mm-hmm. whole process of it, uh, it, it was just really fulfilling to write that. It's such a good story. Everybody should pick it up if you haven't. So uh, do you have a favorite trope either to write or to read? You know, um, I, I don't read a lot of romance these days. I, mm-hmm. I hate to admit that because my, my time is so limited. Like I said, I, it's audio in snatches of 10, 15 minutes driving my kid to school. Um, but I love enemies to lovers. I love people that can't stand each other and, you know, <laughs> then find out, mm, maybe we do like each other. And it usually comes because of some great sex. <laughs> it, um, I, yeah, put I out percentage I, is usually uh, I pretty low. Yeah, perhaps. I don't know if I call this a trope, but I will say I love um, either hero or hero, hero or heroine um, that are very unlikable at first, but can be redeemed. I like redeeming yeah. characters, um, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that's very satisfying to me to read about people that 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 ha- that have true positive change. Well, and you kind of get that a little bit with the Jameson Force. You can see that type of hero or heroine. Um, I think it's Codename Hacker, where she has a past. Yeah, You know, and it's questionable and you find out through the story and I don't want to spoil it for anyone that there are reasons mm-hmm. that she kind of is on this side of the law. Um, but there's something quality about that book that it's kind of the same attraction you feel when you have grumpy sunshine because yeah, she's not a bad person, but circumstances really played a lot into her choices and decision making. Yeah, she's a great character, Baby Grimshaw. Um, yeah, and it's 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 hard to write that because you can't make them so unlikable mm-hmm. that you can't redeem them. You know, like um, in my book Atticus, I get more comments about her, uh, the heroine Hazel, 
um, I made her really, really, really unlikable. And there are many people that in their review said she was so unlikable. I didn't know if I could keep reading. Mm-hmm. Like I probably went like a little too far. <laughs> people stuck with it um, to see how much she ended up changing and redeemed herself and, and um, created a whole new life for her at the end of the, herself at the end of the book. But yeah, it's a fine line to walk to make sure you don't go too far with it. I like a book like that though, where like, they're almost like so far over the line, like you don't know if it's possible, but the yeah. fact that an author is capable of making them likable by the end of it, mm-hmm. like you just can't stop reading that because you're like, how am I going to like them? What is going to be good about this person? Yeah. And I like taking those um, risks with it. I remember when I wrote my very first um true hockey series book, which was Alex in the Cold Fury series. And I wrote that for Random House. And mm-hmm. um, he, he's an asshole. <laughs> Such he a is. And that book starts out with him literally like, you know, putting a girl on her knees and his consideration is putting a pillow down for her. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, and, and the, edit, the people at Random House were like, I don't know about this. I mean, I'll <laughs> you can make people like him. I was like, yeah, I can. <laughs> I can. Cause yeah, now he's like a total book boyfriend. Cause by the second half, you like are like, oh yeah, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I I love that challenge. Yeah, um, but I think that honestly, out of Cold Fury, Riker is kind of kind of he's everybody's favorite. I mean, I overwhelmingly, <laughs> overwhelmingly. So, I don't know what it is um, about him. He's just. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story about Riker too with Random House. Um, and I adore my editor that was Sue Grimshaw there. I have to name Phoebe Grimshaw after her, Sue Grimshaw. Um, but the spider scene where Riker freaks out about the spider in the toilet, she, she did not think that, she think that made him look weak and unmanly. I was like, <laughs> and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not going to change it. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> such a classic scene with him yeah and uh but yeah Riker is overwhelmingly the um without a doubt my people say is their favorite out of the cold fury or arizona vengeance oh he's he's only cold fury um wild wins for me out of arizona vengeance and of all of your guys wild was a surprise hit i I honestly thought, because Dominic and um, Tacker's books were really resonated and people wanted their books and stuff like that. But when I wrote Wild and I got done writing that, I told my assistant, Lisa, I was like, man, this book turned out so good. And I, it was like, I was not expecting it. I just thought it was just going to be kind of one of those, you know, knock it out. It's just going to be a, and, and a lot of people liked it. I mean, a lot. He pines. He's the pining hero, which is not always done, but when it's done and done well, it's like, yes. Yeah, right. And Clark, she's just a rock star. And yeah, I love, oh, I could go on. Yeah. Everyone's like, okay, Becky, we get it. You love wild. <laughs> we like, get you love wild. <laughs> I love him. I love him. Um, I love that. So you've been publishing since 2013 and you're kind of a hybrid. Are you more indie now with the, I know that the Love Swept label being Mm -hmm. closed has kind of changed how a couple of different of our favorite hockey authors are working and moving around in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, that kind of threw a wrench in things. Um, I am 100% indie now. I mean, I obviously still have my um, Cold Fury and the first three books in Arizona Vengeance are still owned by Random House. 
Um, I obviously hope to get the rights back to them someday, but unfortunately they're still selling way too well for me to get them back, which is fine. I mean, they make, they make money and the people at Random House, um, it was the most amazing experience I've ever had working with them. I, I cannot say enough good things about the people there and how they treated me and the opportunity they gave me. Um, you know, and I was incredibly sad that Love Swept closed down because I would have been completely happy staying um, hybrid with them. But you know what? I mean, indie is fantastic too. I mean, it, it, truth be told, I, 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 I'm more successful 100% indie, but I really love those people and still keep in close contact yeah. with them. They're now friends now, but um, I really did like being part of the Random House uh, family. Yeah. It's hard. We talked a little bit with uh, Kelly Jamison about it too. Yeah. She kind of, <laughs> she was like, it's hard, but it'll be good. I've got some stuff I want to yeah. try. And yeah. so yeah, it, I think that for me, I love an indie author. I get frustrated sometimes with traditional published books. I sometimes feel like the steam gets lowered and I mm -hmm. like a sexier book. And so I feel like some indie author, when you can be indie published, you take more risks. And I like you that. absolutely do take risks. And I will tell and that's one of the reasons why I love Random House is um, before I even signed my first contract with them, I was like, you know, it is absolutely important that I keep my my voice and my creativity. And they, in all the books I ever published with them, and I published a lot of books with them, they never once made me change anything. They asked, for example, just the spider scene or something right. like that, or they were worried about the way Alex opened, but they let me do it. And they kind of trusted um, what, and I had a really, really important learning experience one time I don't know if, if y'all have read Uncivilized, but it was a very um, early standalone. Um, it was the first time I really kind of went really super erotic. It was my very first foray into super um, erotic work. And I did this amazing cover. I had it photographed in the basement of my house. And the um, girl is laying on her stomach with her face side and the guy's pinning her down by the neck. And, um, you know, I got the photo and I you know, showed it to a bunch of pretty prominent indie authors and like, you know, what do y'all think about this? Do you think, and they were, I mean, unanimously, no, don't do that. That's going to freak people out. You're going to get people pissed that it's, you know, uh, it just crosses a line or whatever. And I was like, I just felt really strongly that I wanted to give it a try and it mm -hmm. ended up, you know, just being so resoundingly popular, the cover itself, um, you know, and then, and obviously the book that I was like, it, it was a good ex lesson that I might have 20 authors that are far more knowledgeable than I am, but if I believe strongly in something, you know, take that risk. I could have always mm -hmm. taken the cover down and putting something else up. Right. Right. You know, so, yeah, I, I think that you're right with indie author being an indie author, you can take a little bit more you risks can. and yeah. see what happens. Sure. Um, Okay, so you, of course, write some of our most favorite hockey romances, and we're just briefly touching on these because the main reason we brought you on is to talk Jameson Security Force. Because oh, interesting. Okay, good. The latest coming out is Codename TR, which releases on September 7th. Um, so this episode drops on the 12th, so it'll have released a couple days before this episode drops. Um, but you have Jet is out now, which just released in July. Yep. And then Riggs is coming out in October. And then we get Baden in January. Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, just real quick, in Jet, 
the heroine has a sister. Is she going to be in a book? <laughs> um, okay, there we'll just really. <laughs> it's fine. You don't have to give anything You're away. You're like, how can I answer this so question without actually big... answering the question? 2022, I've got a huge surprise coming um, in the ho- in regarding Baden and hockey. And while she will not be the heroine in that book, I will tell you, you will see her okay. again. Yeah. I just really yeah. need her to get Are an HEA. Just she so deserves you know. one. <laughs> She's like... She absolutely deserves one. And Jet yeah. is swoony. If you love Wild, you will love Jet because he's very yeah. He come yeah. he comes through in the cl- like. Mm, anyway, I won't make everybody. Okay, don't spoil because I am I am late <laughs> to Sawyer Bennett books, and I am I've been down the rabbit hole the past couple of days. Unfortunately, like starting like at the beginning because I must start at the beginning. Of course, you have um, to. <laughs> So it's it's been a happy a happy hole that happy I didn't hole. know. <laughs> um, and then you did take some time last year and released the Stone Veil series, which is a fantasy lit um, yeah. romance. It's romance. Yeah, it is a romance. Absolutely. Yeah. I read book one. I have not finished it yet because fantasy is one of those that. I don't mind it. It's just not my go-to. So absolutely, I um, totally understand that. And thanks for trying it because I know there's many contemporary romance that they just don't want to cross over and give it a try. Oh you know? well, sister, if you're writing it, I'm reading it. So <laughs> let's just be really honest. Everybody is like, "What are you reading?" Uh, so your friend's got a new book out. They're like, "Oh, okay." I gotta got keep it. writing. I can like double my production for you, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but the, like I said, the real reason we're here is we want to talk to you about the Jameson Security Force. I love this series and I yeah. am super picky. Leah is our romantic suspense guru. This is her This genre. is my jam. This is That's what I, it's, it is not a trope. It's, it's a genre, but, subgenre. And I broke yeah. the rules because we did a what the trope episode and like suspense is my go-to and I don't care what kind of suspense, like I read it. I love I it. I love that. It is, it's my, it is my goat. It's actually suspense is my comfort read. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Um, so, but I am super picky about it and I do love the men and women because that's something I find really interesting with this series that you do is the member of the security force isn't always a dude. That's right. It is equal opportunity. And I just, I love that. So, uh, Jameson Security Force. How did you decide to write? What? So uh, you know he's you know the book one spun off from the Wicked Horse series, right. and um, so at the time I had hockey and Wicked Horse going back and forth, back and forth, and there was some burnout. I was mm-hmm. um, needing to do something with my creative well because I, um, I just didn't want to start getting rote in my work. You know what I'm saying? And I told Lisa and and my you may not agree with me but I feel like my books are very character driven in general so like people like oh do you plot or anything like that I'm like I really don't when I'm writing hockey or the wicked series um I concentrate on my hero and heroine and my secondary characters and I build up you know the story around them and then I let them drive where Mm -hmm. the story is going to go um but I wanted something more I wanted 
my plots to be more intricate. I wanted to, you know, challenge myself to put twists and turns, kind of like in the sugar bowl. That was an incredibly challenging, you know, story to write uh, because I'm not a plotter because I just kind of write what comes along. Well, with the suspense, you really can't do that. You have to kind of know where it's going and where the, you know, suspense parts are going to be in and, and how to build the action and the excitement and stuff like that. So it was, it was really, truly a personal challenge. Lisa and I sat down and said, what is a subgenre? Because we had the hockey and we had sort of the erotic um, stuff going. And uh, I said, I really would like to write action, suspense thrilling stuff and uh, so we knew Kynan everybody wanted Kynan's book in the Wicked Horse and I think everybody was kind of expecting he was going to get his own Wicked Horse story and I thought let's spin Kynan off and create you know we'd already built up that this background of him being in the um, Royal Marines and all this kind of stuff and um, I come from a military family so I you know have you know background in that um, I have a lot of law enforcement people in my family. My cousin's an FBI agent. So I knew I had a big, um, I, I knew I had some knowledge in it and that I had some go-to people if I needed it. And that's really the reason was for it is I need my creative well to be filled back up again. And um, it, it was really, um, it was really necessary in my career at that point because I did feel like I was getting some burnout. Well, and that's something, so my family is a very tech-heavy family, and one of the things that start, sometimes will bug me in romantic suspense is when an author tries to write tech, and it's so outlandish, and it's like so improbable. It's just one of those, it's like if you if you write a hockey romance and you got a hockey rule incorrect, like calling mm -hmm. the player's box, the or calling the bench the player's box. Um <laughs> There's someone that did that, friend. True Just, story. You know, <laughs> um, it like, you know, if you get that terminology wrong, like your hockey fans are going to be like, what's wrong with you? Did you, you know, uh, fall on your head or something? And so tech is one of those things that is one of mine. Like, or if you get the call letters wrong on a radio station, like I totally, a book was totally ruined because they got call letters wrong on a radio station, right. which is silly, but it bugged me. Anyway, um, that's something that your books do have a lot of tech, but it's, believable tech even if you've mm -hmm. made the tech up it it works it follows along and it feels real and, and i have valid. made some of it up but i usually make sure there's some basis in in it you know yeah. type thing i mean i i do research everything that's in there and i do take creative license sometimes um yeah. but uh yeah, I mean, yesterday I spent I'm working on finishing up Codename Disavowed right now, and um, I had to do research on the type of um, gauze that's used in the field, not to give a spoiler, right, when somebody gets shot. <laughs> I spent half an hour just researching gauze <laughs> to make sure I had the right terminology and things like that. So yeah, I think it's important to see, be accurate. Your search engine is kind of a scary place sometimes. <laughs> yeah, oh God, I, I mean... Like there's certain people that know to come in and totally erase it. <laughs> Just make sure that's the first thing you do. <laughs> right. You need that gone. We got that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, like I said, the tech was, is one of those things that it, it works and you can tell that you are putting time and research in because um, was it Hackard or was it Merrick's 
book, you deal a lot with like CIA and also like the contract military forces. Yes. Know a ton about that. But um, someone else who read it that we were talking about it with, she was like, oh, she got this. Like this was on par. This made sense. It, it is exactly how it would be. And I was like, okay, well, that shows quality. That shows pride in your craft and quality yeah. in your craft that you are yeah. willing to take the extra time to make sure well, that. It's really interesting to me. I mean, it, I mean, I, you know, again, I'm, my dad, you know, is a retired Marine. I used to be married to a special forces Marine, you know, and that, I, I love that stuff. I just think it's fascinating that doing hacker was incredibly difficult because I am not overly tech savvy. I had to do a lot of research and I, it was kind of a little bit of a, stretch that she would be able to steal nuclear codes. But I thought, what the hell? There are hackers that can get in government networks. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Well, and I mean, there's, you know, it's fiction. You don't expect it to be 100% in real life. But yeah. like talking about how she did it and the way yeah. she kind of backdoored herself in, it made sense. And the correct right. words were used. Right. <laughs> descriptions of yeah. what she was doing. Well, thank you for saying that. I do. I, I spend a lot of the, the Jameson books take longer than my hockey book. And yeah, you know, the hockey books, I, you know, I, I watch a lot of hockey and um, I had a, um, a friend of mine is a former Carolina hurricane player. So I could go to him when I really needed to make sure I was being accurate, particularly in the action scenes. I wanted to make mm -hmm. sure they read, you know, correctly or whatever, but um I never had to research like I did with Jameson. Jameson takes quite a bit of work. But it's nice. I love when an author says, like, I want my best work out there. So I'm going to take the time to look everything up. I'm going to take the time to make sure that I'm putting yeah. the correct information. Because that's the thing. I There's nothing I hate more than reading a book where they get basic facts wrong. Right. Yeah. But it's also that nobody takes the time to to help them correct it either. Like, reading the books that I've read for you, like there's, it's, it's factual. It makes sense. Like there's, there's not mistakes or blatant yeah. errors in it. And it's like, yes, like you, your words are amazing and wonderful, but like, it's those next steps that make it the book that it is also. Yeah. And it, my books go through a pretty lengthy process after I finish, you know, they go through copy edits and then mm -hmm. i Go, they go through four separate rounds of beta. I also do beta at the beginning, but then mm -hmm. beta slash proof at the end. So after copy edits, you know, proof or beta one gets it. She reads it in entirety, makes changes. I, you know, accept, reject. Then they go to the next person. She's getting a clean new version of it. And so by the time it makes it through, you know, I've had several pairs of eyeballs mm -hmm. on it. Doesn't still mean there's not, you cannot make a, a mistake-free manuscript. It's impossible. But I will tell you, if I make a big mistake on something factual uh, or even grammar, I want people to tell me because right. I want to go get it fixed immediately. You know, we, we as readers appreciate that because not all we do. want to know. <laughs> yeah, I like. definitely want to know. So anybody that finds any mistake, please, and it will Let get fixed immediately. Um, okay, so Codename Tara, which would have dropped on September 7th. Um, so it would be the Tuesday at, before this episode is dropping. Um, is this the first bodyguard in the Jameson? No, well, Kynan was kind of a bodyguard. With his, I guess it was. Uh, it was second chance romance, but he was being a bodyguard um, to her. 
I really wanted to go more towards the royal aspect. I've never written kind of, you know, mm-hmm. a royal story. And I wanted to make it completely make-believe country. So I could definitely make my own rules. I didn't want it to be, you know, upper crust kind of stuffy type of family. Um, but I wanted him, you know, the, the whole funny thing about it is, is he's got a stereotype, you know? Well, that, um, I mean, and that's how it opens. We all do. Like he's- like he's talking like in the first like three pages, like what this person, like what she is going to be like. It's like, no, exactly. she's not going to be like that at all. Exactly. Like I can see it. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So um, anyway, I think it turned out really, really cute story. It is really good. I finished it earlier this week and I adore it. And I loved uh, Jackson. He's, you know, he kind of gets it put in his face. Like, dude, Stop being a douche nugget a little bit yeah. there. Not everybody yeah. is the same. That's right. Um, your eyes, boy. <laughs> and the inner turmoil between the two of them too, like them fighting with themselves against the attraction. And I always like that. I always think that's mm-hmm. really good in a romance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I obviously um, heavily, you know, she's, she's all about duty to her family. And I think mm-hmm. that that is a common theme in Royal families, both real and fictional. Um, you know, and this whole concept that you can't marry for true love. We all always think about Prince Charles and, you know, Diana, that they were, yeah. you know, a match marriage. And that seems so archaic. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, who does that? It just doesn't seem realistic. But, um, you know, yeah, happens, I guess. And so then next in the series will be codenamed Disavowed, which comes out in December. Yes. And, and- I'm... I'm working on the last chapter today. I'll finish the last chapter today after we've finished. I do. One of the things I love about the Jameson Force is we, like you said, it was a spinoff from Wicked Horses, but we've seen some hockey come in. They yes. made an appearance in the I Arizona Vengeance. All my series. Yes. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I, I love it too. That. I love it when I can bring in another series and just make a tiny little reference to it, little Easter eggs. Yeah, it makes One me so thing happy. I like about your Jameson Force series, though, like, because I've only read a couple, but like your heroes and your heroines, like there's no shrinking violets there. Like they're like everybody has very strong yeah. personalities and like yeah. they're very confident. Like, yes, they have their moments of like yes. chaos and but they're not these people that like hide behind anything like they are they're just very strong characters with strong personalities and like not afraid to to voice their opinions well and that is particularly true of my heroines I mean if there is if if I would think if anybody says what is a common theme that runs through every Sawyer Bennett book is that every one of her heroines is already strong and confident you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying they might have a past they might need to overcome something or whatever, but, and you said the word shrinking violet. I tried it one time with, um, I was gonna make my heroine in Cold Fury's Zach. She was a, you know, gonna be a nanny. And I was gonna try to make her as this meek little- um, And you couldn't write it, could <laughs> I you? I couldn't, she just came out and had sass all of a sudden. <laughs> she was super sassy too. She was, my, she was originally supposed to be somebody that was going to blossom over time from a really meek, um heroin and I just can't and and honestly because it's not me I 
I, I just can't write a woman that way. Because mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know how to do that. I tried. It, it just didn't work. And so I don't think you can really find one of mine that doesn't have some well, kind of, you know, and major I'm sitting here. And I'm sitting here in my head going, okay, like on the rocks, who's in on the rock? Oh, nope, nope. No shrinking violets there. Cold fury. <laughs> nope. No, like, no, you I, don't. I literally can't. I can't. I, the, the women are all very, very strong. The other thing, um, I, there, I do have some books that do this, but I really hate doing it. And, and you will see in my most recent work over the last couple of years, I can't stand big breakups and dramatic mm-hmm you know, time apart and the whole, you know, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm very, just very common sense kind of person. If you love somebody, make it work. You know what I'm saying? And so while there may be stumbling blocks for them to be together, I don't have these big black moments where. Oh, and I just finished, well, multiples, but I finished Eric yesterday before I started diving into other things. So again, like I'm only a sure on that series but even like with him and blue like there was there was a moment but it was a realistic break like it made sense and like but they're both but they both have like these mental like blocks like after sure. it happens it's like why yeah. am i a dumbass like yeah, why did right. i do this but yeah like, but it was a realistic reaction to what happened exactly. and it was a realistic time of like time frame for it to be that's my big thing is is I I get frustrated when I read books where a third of it is about the breakup and Mm. what's going on during that time period I you know get to it get back together and declare (laughs) and even the big emotional break with Tacker and Nora like but it had to happen just because of the trajectory of that story and all of the baggage that everyone was bringing into that story. But I do think that contemporary romance readers on trend right now don't want the third act breakup. They don't want it. Yeah. We hear more often than not that small miscommunications are fine, but if you truly love someone, you're going to stick through that miscommunication and figure it out and stumble and stumble yeah. together but that's the yeah, thing they, there has to be a conflict no doubt I yeah mean, but, but figure it out and get over it. my favorites it's usually like they have like a huge fight and it's like a couple days of like radio silence and then it's like i'm an adult oh. i can make i can make mature decisions yes like, and this is what i need to do yes and it makes me wonder because i started out writing new adult you know my first couple of books were more in that new adult type of flavor well i can't mm-hmm. write new, new adult because i you know i'm 52 years old uh, you know back when i was in my 20s i was a dumbass i mean and i mean who know, isn't same yeah and that's when you had the big breakups you know and um it's, it's just very frustrating to me so i tend to write my characters that have you know, more mature level heads. It doesn't mean they're not going to have a big fight or, you know, well, there's not going to be everybody's a, a dumbass moment, at some point. But, but yeah, let's, let's be smart about this and mm-hmm. realize, Hey, we got to fix this. My big problem with new adult at this point in my life is, you know, mid forties, midlife is my husband kindly informed me last month that <laughs> I'm middle-aged now, which jackass, um, my children are 18 and 16. And so if you're writing about college kids, um, 
that's yeah, your reality. I, that's like, yeah. that's a little too close. I have an author that I love to read, but now she's kind of writing a series that they're high school seniors, freshman, college, sophomores, juniors. And I'm like, no, I can't yeah, as a mom. Wanna... Yeah. I have a boy and a girl. Nope. Nope. Can't think about it. Can't yep. do it. So yep. I always like a little bit more mature story. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, anyways, um, I, one of the reasons I love Kristen Ashley, I, mean, I think she is a queen of writing mature um, characters and they, they are, they tend to be older, you know, like in their forties and, and are just, they have a, a calmness about them yes. that is refreshing. Well, and I think part of it though, too, is like, as I get older, it's like, I don't, I don't resonate with a 20 something. Like yeah. An, like an early yeah. 20s story anymore. That's it's right. Like, I live that. I I don't need to read about it anymore. Right. Like I'm I'm closer to 40 than anything right. else. Like I right. don't need to read about a 20 20 year old right doing things that are just crazy town. Yeah. Um so you were saying earlier you really like you feel like your books are very character driven over plot driven. And <laughs> I I would definitely agree with that. And I like how you mix it up in your romantic suspense, because typically with romantic suspense, it's storyline driven. Yeah. It's about here is the problem. Here are these characters and here's how they're going to fix it. Um, so how do you balance that? Like, um, I think you I think it, it, you have to always make the priority. At least I have to make the priority to make the characters still the most important part of the story. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what, one of the things I do is I develop backstory on them that you may not even ever see in the book. It, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I figure things out about these people that, you know, but it, 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 it has them saying certain things at a certain time or reacting a certain way, because I know that, that this is the type of person inherently that they are. And I think I got to spend my time there. Um, the, the, the story is, is secondary in my, my opinion, but I do believe with the, the, with Jameson, because it is suspense and you've got to have some plot twists and some exciting mm -hmm. action. It's really fun to kind of just build those things in. But, um, I do like to feel like my characters are kind of more important regardless of what I'm writing. Well, and with, with yours though, too, like a lot of it, like is how the characters react to what is happening. It's not, yeah. they're not just going through the motions of the the action and dealing with it arbitrarily. Like you show us like their reactions, their emotions that like are attached to it. And I've read some suspense that it just, it, it doesn't work because it's so like, I like, I'm just going to punch this guy and it's going to be over, but there's no outward reaction or physical like, capability to the hero where he just he just goes through the motion like there's right. just nothing to him right so um disavow that i'm writing right now has got um a heavy it's a it's second chance and um you know there's a lot of themes of guilt and regret and mm -hmm. um you know taking acceptance of responsibility in those and i i did not realize how much that was going to come through I knew it was going to come through on the heroine side, but I was really surprised how much it came through on Lad's side where he's, you know, I mean, he's former CIA, he's a badass Jameson's security agent. The heroine is 
current CIA. So mm -hmm. she's, it's a very, you know, very strong heroine in this book, but um, how much like he got in touch with not being overly emotional, but rationalizing emotions in his head of why things happen the way they did and how I have to fix it. And I ended up doing that through flashback scenes. I don't do that a lot, but um, they, yeah. you, had to, you, had to, you had to know what went wrong years ago to mm -hmm. figure out how to fix it. So um, that was kind of fun doing that. Well, and something that you do in all of your Jameson Security Force books is you bring in the therapist that kind yeah. of helps deal with the emotional, but also move the story and the storyline. And you show the importance of mental health when you are working yes. in these dangerous or have baggage or have PTSD from, you know, other th contracts or events in your life. And I love that you do that. It's one, it's great storyline literary tool to help bring emotion to these badass guys that aren't supposed to be talking about their feelings. Um, but it's also, I like that you're shining the light on the importance of mental health is so mental important. health. I am a big advocate of talking openly about it, getting rid of the negative stigma. Um, you know, I do a lot of work with the, um, American foundation for suicide prevention. So, uh, yeah, anytime I can, and then having the military background, my father, you know, did two tours in Vietnam. He had PTSD. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's so real. It's so important. Um, veterans don't get the help that they need. Um, Off Limits was, you know, my second book I ever wrote. And that was focused solely on PTSD. That was, mm -hmm. a, you know, veteran with PTSD. So yeah, it's really important. I have a lot of, I write a lot about mental health and I write a lot about cancer. <laughs> it's all kind of the two things I write about. But I like too, though, because like Grace has her own novella and Grace yep. is the Jameson, like psychologist, psychiatrist. Yep. Yep. But but even her story itself, like, yes, like she is talking to all these people and helping them deal with their stuff because like one, they're, they have to do it because that is what like they're supposed to do. But, That's right. but she also like has her own struggles and it's, it shows both sides of that. Like she is capable of separating and helping them, but then you see where, like where her struggles are in yeah her frustrations with things that had happened. Cause sure. that's actually was the first Jameson that I read of yours was that novella. That and novella. I just, I really resonated with it. And I just really liked her. I did too. She's a great character. She is. Um, and I, but I do, I appreciate you bringing in that mental health piece. The emotional well being is just as important so as being physically tough and, um, well, and you don't make it taboo in any way. Like this is a necessary part of their reality. Like it, yeah. it helps them be better because talking about your feelings and being open and emotional, like it only will help you. Like you have it to will never hinder. It. Yeah. You have to normalize it. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I remember I went through a period um, of some situational depression and I was talking to my doctor about it and he was going to prescribe me an antidepressant and I mean, this is a long time ago. And I was very like, I don't know about that. And he was like, mm -hmm. nothing is if you go in the grocery store and you got on the intercom and you said with everybody who is taking an antidepressant or suffering depression or has had some kind of mental health issue, please step to the front of the store. He said, most everybody would step to the front of the store. He said, mm -hmm. it happens to everybody. We just are afraid to talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. We do need to normalize it. We do. And I have a similar story. My boy child has chronic illness and medical. I went to the doctor. He was not even six months old, but he was in the hospital for like the eighth time. 
Mm. And I had a rash on my chest and it was itching. And I just went for like a topical cream, <laughs> like a steroid cream that would take away the, and he's like, okay, I'm going to give you some cream, but we're going to actually treat the whole problem and not yeah. just the symptoms. And it was at that point that I was like, oh, okay. Like light bulb moment for me, kind of, okay, this matters. This is important. It and is. From then on, yeah. And when, you know, and I think particularly as women, I'm going to go on my woman thing here right now. You go. We tend to handle a lot, you know, mm-hmm. on our shoulders. I mean, we're, we, we work, we raise children, we care for everybody. And, you know, this past year, not only we have the pandemic, but my mom was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And so we've been doing surgeries and chemotherapy and my my beloved dog Atticus got cancer. So he was getting, you know, chemotherapy. My daughter is doing virtual school and it was causing her anxiety because she, she went a year without seeing another kid. I mean, mm-hmm. because we were keeping her lockdown tight to keep my mom safe. And, um, you know, I was like feeling like, I was like, man, I feel like there's a weight on my chest. What is this? You know, I mean, I, I, you know, cause you don't think about it. This women, we just go, 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 go. We got to handle this. Mm-hmm. I got to do this. And, you know, Paul was like, wait a minute. I think I might be having some anxiety. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's one of those things like it, it kind of creeps up on you. Like my husband and I, like my mother-in-law has bone cancer that we like, it is a forever thing at this point. Like we deal with it every day. So like when the pandemic happened, like my kids were not allowed to see her. Like my, my eldest had his birthday and his grandparents drove down to our house because they live very close to us and stayed at the end of our driveway and like shouted like yeah. happy birthday to him. Yeah. And it was like, it was tough for him because emotionally, like he wasn't allowed to to go near her because yeah. we weren't sure what was going on. And her yeah. immune system is sure. crap because it doesn't exist. And so, but it was, it's, it's very emotional for everybody involved. And that's right. We, we are fortunate that like my husband and I are very open about talking about certain things. And so we talked, talked it through. And that was the big thing, like just making sure like my kids are capable of talking and like, yeah, we want to talk them through it because if not, like, then it just all festers. Absolutely. Absolutely. We talk about vitamin. We talk, we call it vitamin Z in our (laughs) got to take your vitamin Z, so to speak. (laughs) So, um, yeah. It is a good vitamin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it keeps the crazy at bay, at least a little bit. Somewhat. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> okay, so let's go over real quick before we ask our buzzing about romance conversation question. Uh, Jet is out now. We have in the Arizona Vengeance series, Jet is out now. Riggs comes out uh, October 26th. That is up for pre-order right now, wherever you get your books. Baden is in January. And also, I think he is up for pre-order right now yeah um and then in the jameson security force we have codename tr which will have dropped september 7th you can get that wherever you get your books and then we have disavowed um codename disavowed which comes out december i didn't write the exact date down but it's early december it's not like you know i don't know the exact date either i do know it's december though (laughs) it's december and it is also up for pre-order so um you guys can find all of those totally check this series out it is worth it um we didn't even talk wicked horses and that's some super sexy so we'll have to have you we could do another podcast on that yes oh yes yes i like a good sex club romance um actually just real quick funny story we did a we did a review episode on the wicked billionaire Mm -hmm. and my co-host at the time 
orgy is a word she doesn't like to say (laughs) and didn't like to say and so there was there's a scene in there where it's a group sex scene and it ended up be calling like a 12 sum or something like it's like a five sum and a four sum or a 12 sum anyway (laughs) that came out of that anyways she's a pile of people just a pile of people doing it all people Leah's like cringe. Okay, so Sawyer, buzzing about romance conversation question. This is number two. Um, it's a very important question. Also. Is happily for now versus happily ever after. So is an HFN still romance? My answer is no. I, I believe at the conclusion of your story, it has to be forever. Now you may come out with a sequel or a part two or a part three or whatever like that. But um, when you leave those two characters behind forever, it's gotta be happily ever after. Good answer. I like Great this. answer. Totally on par with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won something. Yay, I don't know what you won. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing is I love writing books that aren't about, um, but they don't focus on the romance. I mean, mm-hmm. my part truth about Sunshine and Atticus, there, there is a romance in there, but it's by far the most unimportant thing in the book. But at the very end, they got still got to have their happily ever after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just not, you go put it in another genre. I need to see the forever. Like when that book concludes, I need to know that those two are happy. Yes. Always. Always. And then I can put them down. They can't leave me hanging. I just, That's just mean. Well, so just you, mean. you bring up something that um, I do a little bit. I, I haven't read a lot of contemporary romance lately, but um, I used to do an epilogue in every one of my stories. And I've gotten away from doing that in my long running series like Vengeance or Jameson, because all of the characters are so integral to the whole series that you get <laughs> glimpses of them going down the road like in you know um so-and-so's book you might learn that so-and-so then got engaged or you you get a continual rolling story of them and I have some people say I wish you would do an epilogue so I knew what was going on I'm like well read the next book you'll most likely (laughs) yeah you know what's going on there um but it, it I think people need that satisfaction of knowing that they they got engaged and married and had, you know, 2.5 kids with a white picket fence and the dog. And, yeah. and that's, yeah. that's one reason I like a series like of standalones. Cause you get right. those individual stories. Like, you know, at the end, like they have their HEA, but you still get those snippets yeah. of like going their, their future. And I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. See, and I don't need an epilogue. I'm an old school romance reader. I started with the Jude Devereaux, the Joanna Lindsay, oh, yeah. the Julie Garwood. You don't get epilogues in those Epilogues is really a newer phenomenon. And so if you get one, yay, it's a bonus. But rarely, and when I started reading, did I have epilogues? So yeah. um, And I just quit doing them. I was like, you got to take my word for it. They're happy. (laughs) Yeah. You got to, you got to just, just be rested, you know, rest assured Mm -hmm. they're together forever. Nope. I agree. I totally am on board with that. Okay. Uh, Sawyer, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We really appreciate it. And as always, as always, we're super excited to read your books. <laughs> so just keep uh, writing. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Talked to you forever. <laughs> we, yeah, we like that. <laughs> we'll have to have you back. Have um, me back. I would love to come. <laughs> thank you. 
Okay, that episode made me super, super happy. I have been trying to get Sawyer Bennett on the podcast Forever. since it started. I'm yeah. I know. <sighs> um, and I didn't fangirl too terribly bad. No, you were pretty good. You're, but uh, it's one of those. But she's so nice. Like she so just was nice. so easy to talk to and so excited to talk about her books. And I just I love when we have authors on who just are easy to talk to. And it just. Can we, she's our friend now too, huh? She's our friend. Look, she, yes. Anyway, um, yeah, whew, we got friends, people. We have friends. Okay. I mean, uh, they might not know it, but we know it. Right. Um, let's talk October Drunk Book Club. Yes. Because, so this is on Sunday, on Thursday of this week, while I was away on vacation, I announced October Drunk Book Club author. Yes, you did. And, and it is very exciting. People are going to be crazy. People, people are go well, especially Lindsay. Lindsay's going to lose her shit. Like when she hears. So author Carla Sorensen will be joining us and we are currently nominating and voting on what book of hers we will be reading. If you are interested in, interested in joining us, you can find details at buzzingaboutromance.com or check out our Patreon. I am very excited for this one. I know. You know, we had her on back in May for an episode <coughs> of the podcast, and she was delightful mm -hmm. to chat with. And so she was. I know that our listeners are going to be super excited for the opportunity to kind of mm -hmm. get to ask her some questions about some of their favorite football romances. And she also writes in the Smarty Pants, uh, she Green does Valley, Tennessee. Pants. And we have a few members of our hive that are smarty pants junkies like myself so you and liz liz mm -hmm. also is a smarty pants yes junkie so um okay hey everybody did you know we have merch we have i merch. did know we have merch um so we've recently added long sleeve t-shirts and of course there are the super amazing buzzing about romance hoodies you can find the link to our store on our website um softest t-shirt you can ever own one of the nicest hoodies i have i own personally really and i need to order myself a long sleeve t-shirt it is i like that t-shirt so much it is it's it's a good one it's so soft i wear it all the time <laughs> all the time so floof friday would you like your floof featured on our instagram feed send us a picture of your floof. It doesn't necessarily have to be a furry floof. It could be a scaly floof and um, a short bio about your floof. And we will share the fluffy love. Yep. Just send us an email, Leah at bookcaseandcoffee.com or info mm -hmm. at bookcaseandcoffee.com. The bees at bookcaseandcoffee.com. We will get all those emails and we will happily share your floof mm -hmm. on every Friday. Um, what are you reading this weekend, Leah? Um, I actually am reading an ARC copy, <coughs> excuse me, an ARC copy of The Dom Identity by Lexi Blake. Nice, uh -huh. nice, nice. I'm That's excited. book two in the Next Gen Masters and Mercenary series, correct? It is. And you got a little tease at the, in the last book. So, because Lexi's a big fan of the tease. She likes the tease. Um, so I'm trying a book that I found on TikTok. Okay. It's called Surrender by Nicole Green. It is a billionaire romance, billionaire dancer. She's a dancer. Hmm. Um, she's the billionaire? No, he's he... the billionaire. She's okay. of a billionaire family. Okay. But she's a dancer, a ballet dancer. 
and he's a billionaire running a media conglomerate conglomerate so do you like a billionaire and she asks him to do a catch and kill so on a story about her that's coming up so it's called surrender Hmm. by nicole green this is a new to me author intriguing i'm very interested so i'm only like two chapters in so far i like he has a little bit of a dominant alpha side so but he's pining hero too he's pining oh i love a good pine he's pining so anyway i'll let you know i'll be back with a review and let everyone know what i think um okay Okay. tell us notable upcoming releases yes so september 14th we have unraveled by stacy lynn the rebound by kendall ryan with you forever by chloe lisi the love hypothesis by ali hazelwood shielding ember by susan stoker miles by riley edford edwards and then the dom identity by lexi blake and those all come out on the 14th which that's a big day there's a lot that's of good books on that day then september 15th we have running on diesel by melissa foster and the lie by carla Sorensen. And then the 16th of September, we have Stuck with the Billionaire by Georgia Kaufman. I feel like this list, you have pre-ordered more than half of these books. No, that's not true. I've only pre-ordered two of them. Only two this week. Okay. But how many of those do you plan to read? um, More than half of them. (laughs) I only pre-ordered the ones that were not going to be KU. Okay. Because KU is my friend. It's um, my book You budget. can find September's whole list of all the books Leah will be reading in September hey. on our website. Hey, I did pare it down. It is less than 25 for September. Yeah, I had like six. Well, good for you. Okay. <laughs> um... Okay, so next up on Buzzing About Romance, it's going to sound a little different. It is going to sound a little bit different because it's a special edition episode of the podcast. (coughs) Excuse me. So Corset and Crown hosts Duchess Katie and Lady Sadie will be hosting one of their drawing room chats, and they will be joined by author Lenora Bell. Yes, I think I said that right. I'm pretty sure that's the author. (laughs) Um, Everybody knows that, well, if you don't know, here's a programming note. Um, One episode a month from now until the end of the year is going Mm -hmm. to be a special edition Corset and Crown episode. Um, Duchess Katie and Lady Sadie, one, they're stepping in to help us because we just... um, Because life went crazy when kids went back to school. Right. And jobs, both of us, you know, working and all that kind of stuff can make it a little chaotic. Um, Mm -hmm. But also we are hoping that Corset and Crown can spin off into their own podcast. Um, And that's one of our Patreon goals. So if you love historical romance and you just adore what Lady Sadie and Duchess Katie are talking about, um, consider joining us over on Patreon. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, that's a surefire way to guarantee that those ladies will be getting their own podcast. But for now, we're just checking it out to see if they like it. Yes. Or if they want to murder us. No. Or both. (laughs) Or both. (laughs) Um, Anyway, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode of Buzzing About Romance. Until next time. Be reading, everybody. 
Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.